0: Welcome to Dinger Derby, the only podcast completely devoted to Texas Tech baseball. Join your host, Keith Patrick, every week for team news, guests, ranking updates, and game reports. From opening weekend all the way through Omaha, we'll be hitting taters with the Red Raiders all season long. This is Dinger Derby. Welcome into Dinger Derby, the only podcast devoted 100% to Texas Tech Red Raider Baseball. I'm your host, Keith Patrick. It's been a fun weekend of baseball here in Lubbock, America. But before we dive in, I want to send a shout out and say congratulations to that Texas Tech men's basketball team. Conference champions, Big 12 championship, bringing it home to the LBK. Pretty neat deal to see those guys out there. They went up to Ames, Iowa and took care of business, got the win they needed. Went on a nine-game conference winning streak to get that share of the title. That's absolutely fantastic. Broke the streak of the Kansas Jayhawks who went 14 titles in a row. That's just a huge deal. Isn't it interesting when you can watch a program grow like that, much as we've watched with baseball, and you see the program take on the personality of their coach? Chris Beard, just that hilarious, deadpan, funny guy, understands kids, understands The way to coach these guys, the way to recruit them, just doing a great job within that sport. I think he's gotten like $275,000 in bonuses this season. He was the Big 12 coach of the year. He won a Big 12 title. Jarrett Culver, Big 12 player of the year. He had several guys mixed up and down, the second and third teams as well. Just an awesome job by that team to come back from losing all the starters they did, picked seventh preseason in the conference, and here they are, Big 12 champions, going to be a 2 Two seed in the Big 12 tournament, probably a two or three seed in the NCAA tournament. Just exciting to watch them grow, exciting to watch what they're doing. Lots of good things going on around Texas Tech. Springtime sports are just so much fun to watch. Softball continues to roll. They were hosting their own tournament this weekend. But we're here to talk about baseball, a team that's already made some of these strides that we've seen grow up over the last few seasons and take on the personality of their own coach, Tim Tadlock. Before I roll again, I want to say congratulations to Coach Tadlock, got his 250th win in the Sunday game over the Shockers, 250 wins as a Red Raider. Coach Tadlock's professional record is well over 600 wins, but 250 wins as the head coach of the Red Raiders. Just love having him here. He's one of the best in the country. So proud that he's here at Texas Tech and that he and his staff are building the program they are. So the Wichita State Shockers rolled into town. We had talked about them in that Thursday episode last week, previewed that series, talked about the history of that program. They came in here. The first thing I noticed about them on Friday night is they had about 800 people shoved into their dugout. It's like they brought a JV team with them. They had so many guys over there, but they came out, they played good hard-nosed baseball. They weren't full of a bunch of hully-gully silly stuff. They played a good baseball game. The Red Raiders jumped all over them on Friday. The game was tied 1 to 1 heading into the bottom of the 5th. Brian Klein smoked a two-run double to left center. He ended up going three for four with two runs scored and two RBI on the day. Brian Klein is just on fire right now. It's really been a lot of fun to watch him play. Of course, he's just the most humble guy you could ever hear. He's just so thankful to see that success, but you know it comes from hard work and talent and determination. And you know maybe we got to give a little credit to his wife. Brian Klein got married this summer, and maybe you need to give her a little bit of credit as well, Mrs. Klein. Thank you so much for letting him get on this hot streak. Let's keep. Let's see it keep going. So the Red Raiders went up 3-1 after Klein's two-run double. Then they exploded for six runs in the seventh, and that was highlighted by Cameron Warren's solo home run, which gave him two games in a row with a dinger. If you'll remember, he hit the two-out go-ahead Grand Slam against San Diego State in the Wednesday game. Then he came right back in the next game on Friday, hits another home run there. The wheels just kind of came off for Wichita State after that. They rolled through six pitchers in the late innings, which, of course, meant that we were there forever. They brought in this submarine pitcher, which, you know, is fun to watch. It's interesting. It's something different. You wonder what it's going to be like. It's such a weird arm slot. It's such an odd look for pitchers to pick up the ball from the ground like that, but he just was not able to get it in the zone. I feel bad for the young man. He was throwing in the mid to upper 60s most of the time. I think he tossed it over 75 less than he hit the strike zone. I think he might have hit 77 once. They walked the bases loaded, and then you had Drew Baker, Braxton Fulford, Gabe Holt, and Max Marshock all combined for four straight hits, and that pushed the lead to 10-1. to So just really nice to see those guys go out there and get some hits. Not necessarily what we needed at the moment, but nice to get the cushion. They walked in Tech's final two runs of the night later on in the 8th. Ultimately, Drew Baker, he goes 2-for-3 with two runs scored, two RBI. Gabe Holt, 2-for-4 with one run and an RBI. And Braxton Fulford goes 2-for-5 with a run and two RBI. Just a solid night for a lot of guys all the way around. The Red Raiders end up winning that game 12-2. to They had 13 hits on the night, only one error. The Shockers, with 10 hits, only get two runs out of it. They have an error as well. From the mound that night, the Red Raider pitching staff, they gave up 10 hits, as I said, but they were really great at getting out of trouble. They notched 12 strikeouts to only one walk in this outing. Erickson Lanning got the start. He went four and a third innings pitched, had seven hits, only allowed one run, though. No walks, fanned three batters, and he had one hit batsman. Lanning's handed out 16 strikeouts with only three walks this season. That's in his three starts. That's been really strong for him. He has really proven to be a solid Friday night starter for the Red Raiders. He's given us good innings. It's good to see him out there doing that, especially coming back from injury. You knew he had it. You'd seen him before, but this is exciting for him. Dane Haveman came in, earned his first win as a Red Raider. He went one and two-thirds innings pitched. He allowed one hit, but he struck out four. Three of those strikeouts were delivered consecutively after giving up a leadoff triple. So he gives up this triple. You feel like he's in trouble. He's got a guy over there on third with no outs. Then all of a sudden, he retires the rest of the side. So fantastic job by him. He's been great all the way through. Now, I want to mention the home plate umpire. I, I heard Mike Gustson talk about this on the Thetford-Nashby show here in Lubbock on Saturday morning, and he was very complimentary of the guy. And I'm sure that Doyle Suter, the home plate umpire, is a great guy. And I'm not a broadcaster for Texas Tech, so I don't have to hold my tongue the way others do, but his strike zone was frustratingly inconsistent all day long across the board for both teams. It just And I know I sit by first base, so I don't have the best view, but I definitely have a view of height. And if if I see somebody's shoelaces flying from a ball, it's definitely not a strike. He just wasn't consistent. He didn't make solid calls. And ultimately, he caused a lot of frustration, especially on the shocker side, in addition to the score. Now, I think Red Raiders would probably remember that inconsistency a little bit more, but in the top of the ninth inning, the Shockers' starting shortstop, Jordan Bear came to the plate with one out. Doyle rang him up, and uh, Bear said the magic word on his way back to the dugout, and he got tossed. So here you are, one out, top of the ninth inning, down 10 runs, and you get tossed out of a game, which means you won't be playing on the, in the Saturday game. So then head coach Todd Butler comes charging out. He's very unhappy about losing his high draft pick starting shortstop for the Saturday contest. He comes out fired up. Then he gets tossed because he says some magic words of his own. Now, I'm told on the broadcasts all these words were really easy to hear, that they were pointed directly at the crowd mic that was being used by Fox Sports Southwest and others. I'm not going to repeat them here, but let's just say that things got a little heated you had a shortstop and a head coach that got tossed. You had to get extra umpires involved in between the coach and the home plate umpire. And in his defense, he was doing a terrible job. But on the other hand, and I believe what what I was told that uh, home plate umpire Doyle suitor said to Coach Butler after the player cursed at him was that, you know, you're not going to let him talk to you that way either. And that makes a lot of sense. So, yeah, I've had... Head coach Todd Butler for the Shockers, as well as their shortstop, were not involved in the game on Saturday. Now, a highlight of the Friday game was a Max Marshock triple that he knocked to right center field. The center fielder spent his whole weekend laying out for balls. I don't know if he thought he was going to get his jersey dirty out there on that carpet of a field, or if he just thought he was going to make some super plays, but he dove for balls and missed them over and over. This is the second of those attempts that I recall Rather than let, playing it off the hop, he dives for the ball. It gets past him, goes back to the wall in right center. Marshock just turns on the Jets. Now, if you hadn't been there in person, you, maybe it doesn't translate. Max Marshock can flat out fly. This kid is fun to watch run. So Coach Tadlock is just windmilling him home. I mean, there is no hesitation. So old number six was not worried about where that ball was. Now, the problem was... The second baseman already had the ball as soon as Marshak was rounding third. He sent him all the way home. It actually ended up being pretty close. If it hadn't been a 12-2 game, you may have gotten a replay out of the deal and had the uh, umpires looking at the video. It looked to me, and others have said the same, that the catcher missed the tag. Marshak came in with an unusual slide, tried to go kind of feet first, and it it ended up a little awkward. He didn't get the benefit of the doubt there, but, man, it would have been fun to watch. Now, my favorite part about it was that when Coach Tadlock was asked about that moment, he just admitted flat out that it was the wrong decision. It was the wrong decision to send him, but he said a lot of people like watching him run, me included. And I think that's absolutely a perfect way to put it. He's so much fun to watch run. He is so fast that Coach Tadlock just wanted to see what was going to happen. And I think that's awesome. I mean, just letting the guys play. If there's one thing, as you kind of – Get around this program, you pay attention to Texas Tech baseball, you start to realize, just even watching post-game press conferences, you realize real fast, Tim Tadlock loves baseball. You know, it's not so much about the wins and the losses and any of that other kind of bigger picture stuff. It's about the most basic stuff, separating balls and strikes, watching the ball go over the wall, just having a good time, seeing those guys play, seeing them be successful, seeing the process work for them. He loves coaching baseball. It makes me enjoy it that much more. So much fun to listen to him talk about it. So one note from the end of the night, Josh Young came up a little bit gimpy, kind of grabbed at his leg a little bit when he was coming home, just didn't look comfortable. Parker Kelly ended up finishing the game for him. He also played third base the rest of the weekend and did a fine job doing it. So what we did find out is Josh Young has a light quadricep strain, so just the big muscle on the top of the leg, just a little bit of a quad strain. He did hit on Saturday, and I think he's okay. Just, you know, abundance of caution stuff. You've got a road test here coming up, going to Austin to play the Longhorns in the Big 12 opener. So they're holding him out, letting him get right. There's no point in having like a small nagging injury when you're going into a big series against the Longhorns and opening up Big 12 play. So Josh Young should be okay, probably see him again. Again, the Texas series. So we move on from the Friday series. I wished her happy birthday last time. I wish my daughter Emerson happy birthday again. We had a little party at the house, so I didn't go to the game. I wasn't at the ballpark, but I did watch the whole game at home. And I got to say one thing. We got ourselves a dinger derby on Saturday. I've been training for this one, folks. I was training for a dinger derby and we got it. Tech hit three home runs in the first inning alone. They had six home runs on the day. It's the first time they've done that since 2010. Now, the Red Raiders needed him. They held off strong Wichita State hitting to win 15-10 and take the series win. Now, Cole Stillwell hit his first home run as a Red Raider with a solo shot in the first. He's followed by Cam Warren, who has a three-run no-doubter to his absolute favorite spot out there in left field. So now then, at that point, Warren's hit dingers in three consecutive games, the go-ahead grand slam, the Friday night solo home run, and then a three-run shot in the Saturday game against the Shockers. The best part about it was watching Cameron Warren, the king of getting hit by pitches last season, your first baseman, the only senior on this team, and the Shockers pitch around him in the second inning, and they walk him intentionally. Cody Masters immediately follows Cam with a solo dinger of his own, and then he hits a follow-up three-run bomb in the second. So Cody Masters, making the most of this start, gets a second home run, It's two on the day. Dylan Noisy gets in on the fun with his third triple of the season in the second. Then he follows that with his fourth dong with a three-run shot in the fifth. So that was a go-ahead shot by Noisy after the Shockers plated six runs in the top of the fifth. So not only was that home run just a big one for Dylan Noisy, it's his fourth of the season. Love seeing him doing as well as he is. On top of that, that was really strong situational hitting. Noisy came in in a situation where Tech had given up six runs in the top of the inning, and he hits a three-run shot of his own to get the Red Raiders back on top. Drew Baker closed out the Dinger Derby in the eighth with a solo shot to left center. Now, once again, Max Marshock showed off his speed. He had a stand-up triple that he hit to left center in the eighth. And then fan favorite Cam Warren had a triple to left center in the seventh. Now, yes, I did say that. Cam Warren hit a triple, and he legged it out, man. It was fantastic. Talk about watching Gramps move it. It was a fun one. There was a lot of, a lot of Twitter chatter from some of the players about Cam's triple. That one was a lot of fun. So if you're not counting, you had Noisy. Warren, and Marshock all logged triples on the day. Absolutely unbelievable. Triples, many would say, one of the most exciting plays in baseball. They're a lot of fun. They definitely mean you got speed. We knew Noisy had speed. We definitely know Marshock has speed. And now you're seeing Cam Warren get in on the fun as well. Now, Noisy, at this point, is leading the country in triples, I believe. I think that the leader has three Noisy had three uh, Saturday. I'm going to go ahead and give you a sneak peek. Noisy hits another triple on Sunday. So, defensively, Max Marshok also got out there in left field and showcased his speed. Somebody hit a Texas leaguer out there to him in the third, and it looked like it's just going to be a little bloop single out there, and he turned it into an out. I mean, he charged in on that ball and snagged something you didn't think he was going to be able to. And you could tell he had a little salt on him about it, too. He had a little attitude out there saying, Yeah, I can do that kind of stuff. Keep me out here. I kind of liked it. In that same inning, Parker Kelly vacuumed up a hard-hit ball to the hot corner, and he got the throw for the out there. Now, I wanted to make a little comment here, and I don't want to ruffle any feathers for those that are listening, but I gave a lot of credit early in the season to Texas Tech TV. They did a fantastic job over the last couple years. I think they have high production quality. But this year, I have noticed things have really not been up to snuff on that platform the camera is just incredibly shaky in the center field shots there's two cameras out there on a scissor lift i mean build a platform if that's what we need out there but it's really hard to watch especially when they're zooming in hard I mean, it's really shaky and especially when there's a little bit of wind going, it's just hard to look at. You know, the camera operators, I know a lot of them are probably college students. They need the experience. I appreciate and understand all that, but there needs to be something done to clean up the quality. Folks are paying for the platform. We want to be able to see what's going on. Not only the Texas Tech TV missed that Kelly play. But later in the fifth, they missed what was apparently a fantastic put out by Gabe Holt firing from right field to third. So he had a nine five put out by Gabe Holt, something I don't believe he's done since he's been in the outfield. And we didn't get to see it because the camera lost the ball. So just frustrating when that kind of stuff happens, just kind of my open letter to them. Love you. I'm a subscriber. Try to do a little bit better. So Noisy and Drew Baker tallied three hits on the day, and each also had three RBI. Then Marshock, Masters, and Warren each had two hits on their own. On the mound, Caleb Killian got the start. He went four and a third innings pitched, allowed seven hits, six runs, one walk. He fanned three batters, and he hit a batsman. You know, kind of the struggles of Caleb Killian continue here. He's not doing a poor job. He's just not as sharp as you want him to be. As far as fans are concerned, I know we'd love to see a true ace. You know, you want that guy that you are 100% confident in. Well, Erickson Lanning is starting to be that guy on Fridays where you feel really good that he's going to get into the fifth for you. He's not going to give up a bunch of free passes. He's not going to give up a bunch of runs. So you'd love to have that on Saturday. And this is where I start to wonder, are Bryce Bonin, guys like Micah Dallas, are they going to start getting a little bit more looks in the weekend? I mean, Bonin's been really strong in his starts in the midweeks. And I'm wondering if they don't start looking at the weekends, you certainly don't want to pull Killian, but you're working your way into big 12 conference play now. And you need to have sharp starting pitching out there for the weekend rotation. And then Clayton beater closed things out on Saturday. He goes an inning pitch with two strikeouts. Now it was fun to watch Clayton beater work. He was bumping 98. He just had absolutely electric stuff He'll be fun to watch going forward, I think, for sure. A beater is, is a guy with a lot of talent. You knew that when he was recruited. Now coming back from injury, and he has as much, if not more, than he had before. So the Red Raiders go into Sunday. They've won the series. They're looking for the sweep. They've gotten their 10th win of the season. And they almost immediately go up 4-1 in the second, and then they just never let up. They take down the Shockers 15-4, to and they earn the series sweep against Wichita State. Both Gabe Holt and Brian Klein hit their first home runs of the season. Holt finished the day one for four with a run scored, three RBI and a walk. So he was one of three Red Raiders with three RBI on the day. That'll tell you how well the Red Raiders were hitting. He extended his reach safely streak to 29 games, which matches the longest of his career. And then Brian Klein went two for four with two runs scored, two RBI and a walk. Kline's leading the team with a 426 batting average, and he's also leading the team with 23 hits on the season. In the five games this week, so that's three against Wichita State here in Lubbock and two in San Diego against the Aztecs, Brian Klein went 10 for 18 at the plate over those five games. He is really seeing the ball well. As Coach Tadlock talks about, he's really separating balls and strikes. He's just a young man that you root for. You like seeing him be successful. He's such a humble young guy. Love watching him play. From the mound on Sunday, Mason Montgomery got the start. He went five innings pitched, which matches his longest outing as a Red Raider. He allowed four hits, only one run. He had three walks and then seven Ks, which was a career record for him. Montgomery looked good. He was really shaky early on. And Coach Tadlock actually went out himself and talk to Montgomery a couple times, you normally, if you haven't been to a game in person, normally you see Matt Gardner come out, make the visit, settle a pitcher down. Then the next time you see somebody come out, it's Coach Tadlock, and he's making a pitch and change. Well, this time, Coach Tadlock came out a couple times and talked to Montgomery on his own and did not make a pitch and change, settled him down himself, And uh, Montgomery really came around and got it together, did a really solid job after that shaky start. I believe after that visit by Coach Tadlock, Montgomery actually retired the next six batters, including getting three Ks within that time as well. So really did a good job there. Good to see him put that back together. I don't know what that relationship is, but hey, whatever it takes to get him dialed back in, go for it. That looked good. You saw several guys throughout the day. Nobody really stood out in a big way. Cade Farr came in just very briefly. Taylor Floyd did an inning. Ryan Sublette, an inning. Did not bring the velo that he brought in the Friday night game, but you did see him come in and and give you an inning of work. He did walk one batter, but otherwise allowed no runs or hits. Hunter Dobbins came in and did an inning, and Trey Garlett came in at the end and closed it out with an inning as well. So, Mason Montgomery earns another win. He's two and zero on the season now for the Red Raiders. There was no save opportunity there. Just another big hitting day for Texas Tech. Now I didn't do this for the Frisco series. I didn't do my awards. It just was a miserable series, let's be honest. It wasn't fun baseball to watch. It wasn't fun weather to play in. The Red Raiders ended up with a canceled game, so I just kind of gave it a wash. It was going to be tough for me to figure out any winners anyway. There was some reasonably good pitching, but when you only have six or seven hits on the weekend, there wasn't a lot of other positive to find. But this weekend, there definitely was. So, my hitter of the series, there were definitely several folks that could be up for this one, but I'm going to give it to Cameron Warren for this one. Kind of looked back into San Diego a little bit too, just thinking about Cam Warren. Three games in a row with a home run. Nobody's done that since Zach Reams last season in 2018. Cam went two for nine with six runs scored, eight RBI, and four walks over the three game series against the Wichita State Shockers. He had home runs, he had a triple, he had sacks. He was error-free at first base. Cam just did a really, really solid job as a hitter this weekend. I hope he doesn't get into his mind that that's his role, but definitely you want him out there seeing balls, separating balls and strikes, doing what he needs to do at the plate, and I think he will. He's a smart player. He's a good senior. Be fun to continue watching him play. We have a lot of fun with him over at first base. We tell Cam all the time he's the fan favorite, but he's just a great guy, great influence on that team. Always Quick to smile and quick to have fun enjoying him some baseball. Now, the pitcher of the series, I struggle with this one a little bit. Erickson Lanning had another solid start for the Red Raiders. Mason Montgomery, career high and strikeouts for himself was seven. But I'm going to go a little personal on this one. I want to give the pitcher of the series to John McMillan. McMillan went two and two-thirds innings pitched on Saturday night. He allowed two hits. He had five Ks and no walks. Now, there's anyone that's watched this Red Raider team over the last few years knows who John McMillan is. He started off known to everyone as the Whammer. He was a guy that would come out, and he still does sometimes, and would warm up between the mound and second base when he pitched. He's got velocity. He could definitely bump 100 if he wants to. But he's been kind of hanging in that low 90s range with his speed, looking for the control. He came out working fastball slider in this outing and just did a fantastic job for Texas Tech. It was so good to see McMillan come out and just put out a quality relief effort. He came out, and Coach Tadlock gave him the credit for settling guys down. The Shockers had been kind of putting on a rally. This was a game that you won 15-10, so it wasn't a game that was just automatically in hand. It was an automatic win. He wasn't in a save situation, but he was definitely in a situation to come out, settle guys down, to provide some calm continuity there from the mound, and he did it for two and two-thirds innings. McMillan freely admitted in the Post game press conference that he's had some shaky time this season, that this was his best outing by far, and he felt good out there. I mean, he is such a weapon for this team if he will come out, stay within himself, work pitch to pitch, work batter to batter, and just get it done from the mound. He is a huge weapon for the Red Raiders. I am so excited to see him out there. So, pitcher of the series goes to John McMillan. Now, the player of the series, I've talked about him several times already, so it shouldn't be a surprise. Player of the series goes to Brian Klein, Six for 11 on the weekend, six runs scored, four RBI, three walks, hits his first home run of the season. He, he wears some with an HBP. He's turning double plays, which we haven't seen as much of. He and Drew Baker have started to work some things out, get some good communication going there. So just nice to see this young man being successful right now. Klein also made some plays in the field that are hard to quantify. I mean, he didn't have any errors that I can recall. He got out there deep, in the hole at second base, got out there kind of in shallow right field and stopped some balls, ran down some balls, made some sliding stops that didn't make the play, didn't get the out, but they saved runs. They saved advanced runners. They stopped, you know, singles from turning into doubles. I mean, really doing a good job out there, stopping balls, picking up his guys. I mean, it's just a lot of fun to watch him play right now. And as I mentioned, he's leading the team in batting average with a 426. He's got 23 hits on the season. He's up there near the top with three doubles. He's got 15 RBI. He's drawn 10 walks, which is also near the top of the team. I mean, really just doing a great job. He's slugging 537 for the Red Raiders. He's got a 507 on-base percentage. Just been fun. He's also going out there doing it when you ask him to. He's had some sacrifices just all the way around doing a good job. He's always been a solid player, but now all of a sudden, he's kind of your big stick at the moment, and it's been a lot of fun to watch him. I don't want to insinuate in any way that there weren't other great performances. Dylan Noisy is on fire right now. Drew Baker is doing a solid job at the plate. Gabe Holt continues to be one of the most consistent, reliable players on this team in recent memory. Parker Kelly came in in a tough situation, got his number called and came out and made some great plays, had some great at-bats, did a really good job. Hard to quantify that because he hasn't had nearly as many games played when you look at the numbers, but really did a good job this weekend as well. But Brian Klein's going to be my player of the series for this Wichita State Shocker series. Now, I know you've probably heard the news that the New Mexico Lobos game from April 24th, which is a two-game midweek on the 23rd and 24th, was moved up to this Tuesday, March 12th. Well, surprise, that game has now been moved back. Update to the update has been moved back to April 24th. So the Red Raiders will have no midweek game this week. They played the Wichita State Shockers. They'll have most of the week off during spring break, head down to Austin and face the Longhorns in Austin in a Friday, Saturday, Sunday matchup. So let's look ahead to the Texas Longhorns. I'll be traveling with my family this spring break a little bit. Won't be doing two episodes this week. So I wanted to go ahead and give you a look ahead and then we will call this one done. So the Texas Longhorns on the season are 12 and six overall. They have lost three in a row. Now, they were at one point being called the hottest team in the country, but we'll get to that here in a minute. The Longhorns opened the season at Louisiana. I think I mentioned this already. What used to be called Louisiana Lafayette, the Raging Cajuns, is now just Louisiana for some reason. The Longhorns won the first two games of that one and lost the Sunday game and missed the sweep. They had a win at Rice to follow that. They won a four game series against Purdue, losing the third game four to nothing, but winning the others. Sam Houston State, they had a win. They lost to UTSA seven to 10 in a Wednesday midweek. And then they follow that up with a sweep. Of the LSU Tigers, who were ranked number two at that point. Now, that was the same weekend as the Frisco College Baseball Classic. So you had the Longhorns sweeping LSU, who were number two, and the Red Raiders losing to a couple of teams in Frisco in the terrible weather. So D1 baseball being what it is, they dropped the Red Raiders 11 spots and jacked up the Longhorns 11 spots. Now, I understand LSU was ranked number two, and the Longhorns swept them in Austin. The final game was really, really tight. It looked like LSU was going to be winning. They had their strong closer, Todd Peterson, in. It looked like they were going to be great. And then all of a sudden, there's a hit batsman, a single, a sack bunt, an infield RBI, a fielder's choice with an error, two umpire video reviews, and a worm burner up the middle. And Texas scrapped together a 7 6 win. So, you know, that's great. They pulled together a win. I know that I'm biased, but not that impressed so far with what I'm seeing for them. You look at the statistics and you say, hey, this team, I don't know if elite is the word I'm going to use uh, to describe them. I think that really what probably will be looked at in hindsight is maybe LSU is going to be down a little bit this season. They generally put something together at the end, but maybe here early they were way over So the Longhorns went on from there. They beat UTRGV in a Tuesday night game 4-3. Now, this game was not without controversy in and of itself. You may have seen the video there. UT Rio Grande Valley is up late in the game trying to stage a rally. They've got runners on base. Their last batter's up. He takes one in the thigh and gets ready to take his base, and he's called out the umpire, home cooking as you can be at Dishfork Field, says that UTRGV's player leaned into it. It hit him square in the middle of his thigh. I don't know how you lean into one of those and called him out. So we've seen multiples of these. Jim Sloshnagel from TCU spoke out against it, said it's a stupid rule that umpires don't like either and that it needs to be changed after the season. Many people think it should be changed now because it's going to adversely affect more games. But anyway, U- UTRGV falls to the Longhorns 4-3 to three in that midweek. So the Longhorns head to California to face Stanford in a four-game stand. Stanford's ranked number 6 in the nation, the University of Texas Longhorns are currently ranked number twelve, which makes little sense to me, but that's neither here nor there. So the Longhorns rank number twelve, go to face number six Stanford. They win the Thursday night game four nothing. And you're starting to wonder, hey, maybe this team is fairly legit. Then they lose the Friday game one to eight. They lose the Saturday game two to four, and on Sunday they get shut out nine nothing. So the Longhorns, with a series loss at Stanford, they'll be coming back to Austin, playing Texas Southern in a Tuesday midweek, and then hosting the Red Raiders for three days next weekend. It's no secret that the Texas Longhorns went back to the College World Series last year for the first time in several years. They also lost Augie Garrido, their longtime coach who had been retired. He passed away last season. That was a very emotional time for them, and really all of college baseball. Augie Garrido was was just a legend in college baseball. If you're not aware, For Love of the Game is one of my favorite baseball movies. Augie Garrido actually played the Yankees' manager in that game, the one that tells the young rookie to go wreck it. Just a guy that had been around a long time, had done a lot for the for the sport, and you got to respect that that they lost him. But coming into this season, a lot of pieces for them to rebuild and refill, a lot of question marks for them, lost a lot of pitching. And then here they are this season. They're ranked number 12 currently really thinking, yeah, you swept LSU, maybe you're solid, then go to Stanford, kind of start to look like a pretender a little bit. When I look at their starting nine, you only have two guys batting over 300. Austin Todd is batting a 317. He's got 20 hits on the season. Nobody on the team has more than two home runs. Todd leads the team by far with 20 RBI. He's only slugging a .492. His on-base percentage is a .411. Both of those lead the team, or they're pretty close. Just not seeing a lot of strength in this lineup from a hitting standpoint. Ryan Reynolds is batting a .303. He's got 10 runs scored. The team leaders, Eric Kennedy and Duke Ellis, have both scored 18. They're tied together for that. Just not seeing a whole lot of power in this lineup. Nobody's slugging over a 492. Ryan Reynolds is good at wearing them. He's got five hit-by-pitches. Now, I will say Duke Ellis, just an absolute walk master over here, has drawn 25 walks. Austin Todd and Zach Zubia are tied second on the team with 10 walks apiece. But overall, the lineup just doesn't look incredibly impressive to me. Not seeing a lot of power there or a lot of consistency for the Longhorns. From a pitching standpoint, however, their starting rotation appears to be pretty salty. Bryce Elder is often their Friday starter. They do mix these guys around a little bit. He's got a one fifty four ERA. His WHIP is a one seventeen. He's two and one on the season. He started in all four of his appearances. He leads the team with twenty three and a third innings pitched. He's allowed twenty hits and eight runs, only four of them earned. So that ERA is pretty solid. He's given seven free passes. With a base on balls, and he's hit two batsmen as well. Really has been pretty solid. He's also the only starting pitcher that's allowed a home run, and he's only allowed one. Opposing batters are hitting a 233 against him. Blair Henley, another second on the team in innings pitch, 20 and two thirds. His ERA is a 479 with a 139 whip. He's two and zero. Oh, he's also started four for the Longhorns. His opposing batters are batting a 262 against him. He's got 18 strikeouts on the season, so more. Bryce Elder has 27 strikeouts already. Pretty impressive to see. Coy Cobb, another one. I believe he had been starting and has maybe been moved around a little bit. He went 0 2. He's got a 4 ERA. His whip's a 111. He's got 18 innings pitched. His batting average against is a 224. and then Ty Madden I've seen bounce into the weekend rotation. He's kind of come back up. He's got an .057 ERA and a 118 whip. He's had four appearances, only two starts, 15 and two-thirds innings pitch. As I said, he's kind of bounced into that starting rotation recently with these four-game series that they've had over the last couple of weekends. He's got 20 strikeouts on the season already, and his batting average against is a 175 really showing a lot from their starting rotation standpoint so what they can't do a lot of in at the plate they appear to be showing pretty strong in the starting rotation now their bullpen also is looking pretty good you got some guys with as many as 7 appearances lots of eras in the in the mid ones and low twos lots of guys just looking really solid have seen lots of innings pitched and and are doing some things now that's not to say they can last all the way through a three game series, but you certainly want to go down there to Austin and at least get the series win. So the Red Raiders are going to have their work cut out for them. Let's hope that the hot bats continue as we saw against San Diego state. And we've seen against Wichita state as well. And let's hope that the pitching is sharp and ready to roll. You certainly seem to have a lot of confidence right now as the Red Raiders are sitting at 11 and three on the season, heading into Austin to face the Longhorns. Well, my friends, that's going to do it for me for the Dinger Derby podcast this week. As I said, this will be the only episode this week as I'll be traveling with my family around the state. Looking forward to listening to these Red Raiders play the Texas Longhorns. Unfortunately, despite a school having their own stinking network, none of these games are going to be televised, at least as far as we know so far. So you can hear those on Double T 97.3, Double T 97.3.com or the Double T 97.3 mobile app. Looking forward to listening to it. I think the Red Raiders are going to show out well. Always glad to see them go play the Longhorns and beat them in Austin. So it should be a fun one. Stay safe and have a good spring break. The Red Raiders won't be in action in the midweek again following the Longhorn series. They'll be coming back to Lubbock to play the Stetson Hatters and the Michigan Wolverines in an unusual round-robin type of weekend at Dan Field at Griffin Park. So looking forward to that. If I don't see you before then, have a good one. Stay safe this spring break and wreck them. Thanks for tuning in to Dinger Derby and sharing our love for Texas Tech Red Raider Baseball. You can connect with Keith on Twitter at Dinger underscore Derby and find more Texas Tech sports content at StakingThePlains.com. Help us out by rating us and leaving a review on iTunes. And remember to tell your friends about the show. Keith will be back next week with another episode of Dinger Derby. And until then, wreck of tech Keep your hand on your gun. Don't you trust anyone There's just one kind of man that you can trust That's a dead man Or a gringo like me Be the first one to fire Every man is a liar There's just one kind of man who tells the truth That's a dead man Or a gringo like me.